0: Hi, and welcome back to the official launch of Ask the Pastor Season 2. After a small hiatus, we're back taking your theological questions to the test with Pastor Will. Uh, This is the Ask the Pastor podcast, a segment of the West Hills podcast, where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm ready to dive into this season's questions. This week's question comes from Jared, and he wants to know, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Can you explain what the first, second, and third heavens are?
1: All right, welcome back, Thad. It has been a while indeed. We just kind of arbitrarily uh, decided two minutes ago before we press record that we're going to call this Season 2, Uh, So we don't have to feel bad. I don't have to feel bad about myself for um, taking some time off. It was busy December holidays and January, starting two services and vacation. And anyways, I can make excuses, but it's good to be back. Uh, And we've got a great question here for us from Jared. And actually, this is one of the most popular Ask the Pastor uh, questions we've received thus far Got it from uh, almost identically from Jason Gale. We've had three or four of y'all write this one in for us, so I figure we could only dodge it for so long. So let's let's dive into it first. uh, Let's get the text in front of us. Uh, There's really only one biblical passage that does refer to this idea of a third heaven, and it's the one that. Uh, Jared has quoted for us here from 2 Corinthians 12. I'll back up and give the the fuller context, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in this body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. God knows. And he heard many things uh, that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So what's going on here? Um, Well, there are many theories on this. First of all, we should go ahead and just clarify the man that Paul's talking about in the third person is himself. Um, That's clear from later on in the same passage, verses 5 through 10, but many theories on uh, what Paul's talking about with himself and this vision here and what the third heaven refers to. So let me me specifically give you two different theories on what the third heaven might refer to. The first theory is that there are actually different compartments or levels, we might say, within what we typically think of as heaven. Now, I should uh, say up front that most um, evangelical interpreters of this passage are pretty leery of this interpretation. They get pretty squeamish about the idea of there being different levels of heaven or something like that. To to be clear, this is not an explicitly explicitly biblical idea. Now, I, I don't I don't personally necessarily find it to be a directly unbiblical or anti-biblical idea either. If we Get to heaven, and we find out that as Jesus tells us in John fourteen two, in my Father's house there are many rooms. And guess what? Some of them were actually bigger than others, and that depends on how faithfully you lived the earthly life that God gave you. I, I personally wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, in fact, I think the idea that believers will be in some sense rewarded for how we have lived our lives. Um, or on the flip side, we b- we'll be held accountable for our, 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 our negative actions or the good deeds we've left undone. That's a very biblical idea, and so I'll, I'll let you just go through and look up these references on your own because it's it's not necessarily the, the specific focus of today, but 1 Corinthians three twelve through 14, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 2 Corinthians five ten, Matthew 5, 12, 2 Timothy 4, 8, Romans 14, 12, James 1, 12, Revelation 2, 10, 1 Peter 5, 4, um, I'll read one of them for you, uh, Revelation 22:12, one of the clearest. Behold, Jesus says, I am coming soon, my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Um, you can even think of again when Jesus said, in this life in Matthew 6:19 and 20, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth, or rust destroy. So Jesus seems to at least strongly be implying here that you can actually lay up for yourselves rewards in heaven by how you live in the present. Now, as I said, uh, 2 Corinthians 12 is the only biblical reference to the third heaven. Most of what we hear about it, interestingly, actually comes to us from non canonical sources. Um, so, so we're going <laughs> to kind of take a, a, a detour off the beaten path for most of us. Um, Christians that don't delve into to, to some of these uh, non-extra-biblical sources for a minute, but let's just, for sake of argument, um, examine those. The, this, these are, again, books uh, that letters, epistles, gospels, quote-unquote, that did not make the cut for inclusion into our sacred scriptures. So, for instance, you've got the New Testament apocryphal book, the Apocalypse of James, uh, 3rd century uh, Gnostic text which depicts John the Baptist as dwelling in the third heaven. Again, Gnosticism, heresy. Don't subscribe to that at West Hills or in virtually any uh, 21st century church anymore. Uh, it's kind of died out. But, but again, John the Baptist dwelling in the third heaven. Interesting. Most detailed description that we get anywhere in antiquity of uh, this idea of a third heaven is in the book of Second Enoch. Second Enoch is, again, another pseudepigraphal, uh, text, literally a false writing is what pseudopigraphal means. In other words, it's not scriptural, not biblical, but it was possibly written around the same time as these New Testament writings, late 1st century. Uh, and 2nd Enoch doesn't show up in any manuscripts, it should be said, until the 14th century. So no one is considering it to be scripture. I'm not putting it on par with what Paul says in 2nd Corinthians 12. But it's an interesting read. And, and it, it's kind of a creative envisioning of what Enoch's journey up to and then through the heavens might have been like. Enoch, of course, um, is most famous from Genesis chapter 5 as being one of only two people, the other being Elijah in 2 Kings 2, uh, who never died. Enoch, we hear in uh, Genesis five twenty four, walked with God and then he was not, for God took him. And so uh, Second Enoch imagines what uh, an ascension might have been like for Enoch as two angels are leading him uh, through successive kind of levels of heaven. Ten heavens, actually, in 2 Enoch. There are ten heavens that it lists out. And here's what it says about the third heaven. I'm going to read just from Wikipedia's summary for you. The third heaven is described in 2 Enoch as a location between corruptibility and incorruptibility containing the tree of life whereon uh, the Lord rests when he goes up into paradise. Two springs in the, th- the third heaven, one of milk and the other of honey, along with two others of wine and oil, flow down from the roots of the tree of life in, in the third heaven down into the Garden of Eden. Um, The picture of a a river and a tree of life being in this third heaven is kind of reminiscent even of canonical scripture. You think of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, that we get in the new heaven and new earth. And then interestingly, 2 Enoch depicts these two angels leading him up to the northern side of the third heaven where he's able to get a view of, quote, "...a terrible place with all manners of torture containing the wicked." And so Second Enoch's version of heaven is somewhat similar then to the description we get in uh, the Old Testament of Sheol, which was sort of the—we've the, touched on this in a prior podcast where both the wicked and the righteous would go to this sort of holding tank um, in Sheol in the Old Testament, but, but to different compartments, if you will— um, at the very least, it kind of brings to mind Jesus's parable of the rich man and Lazarus from Luke chapter 16, where we hear uh, that the rich man uh, is in Hades and he's able to see Lazarus sitting in the bosom of Abraham from a co- across the chasm or the divide that's separating them. Which, of course, brings up uh, all sorts of other questions about whether or not in heaven will be conscious conscious of the fact that. Our our lost loved ones won't be there, and how could heaven be perfect if we're aware of their eternal suffering? And uh, That's another podcast topic for another day, but um, what I found particularly fascinating in researching all of this is if you think about Paul's third heaven in context here in 2 Corinthians 12, he brings it up specifically in the context of enduring suffering as an apostle. That's at the end of chapter 11, and then he's going... To go straight into his infamous thorn in the flesh, uh, thorn in the flesh passage, in verses seven through ten of chapter twelve, and then you think about some of these other apocryphal books uh, and their descriptions. The Apocalypse of James, where were John the Baptist, this is his place. Second Enoch, the um, Enoch is told by the angels, this place, O Enoch is prepared for the righteous who endure all manner of offense from those that exacerbate their souls. So you start to see this common picture emerging of the third heaven possibly being reserved for martyrs. And that's even, you can look at, um, you know, the the, the book of Revelation and and the description there, and I think in Revelation chapter 2, kind of this this whole theology developed in the early church of, um, you know, other people who die and and await the Lord's return um, not being immediately in the Lord's presence in the same way that those who were actually martyred for the faith were. And so I think you could, you could potentially get there. Again, I'm not saying that, that that is what the third heaven is or that that is how we ought to interpret it. But I think you could piece some of that together and I could see how, you know, at least in the early church They're they're developed this theology that you know martyrs were in some sense special went to this sort of special kind of level or 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 intimate closeness uh, with with Jesus um, in heaven. I mean, that was even reminding me right before we hit record just that idea of we're going to sit around the banquet table of of the Lamb and. You know, uh, you know, not everybody can 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 get the head seat, and so there there is some, got to be some system of of rewards that that Jesus is is talking about um, when it comes to uh, eternity. But I so I just want to suggest that it's at least possible there are different kind of compartments of heaven, and the third heaven in particular is maybe special reserve seating for Christian martyrs. Some hold that position, I know. I I think it's at least an intellectually, theologically defensible one. John MacArthur, who does not support this position, but he does perhaps add some support for it uh, with his comments on the timing of this vision that God uh, gave Paul in Second Corinthians 12. He says the vision took place 14 years before the writing of 2 Corinthians, uh, which was in late AD 55 or early AD 56, putting it somewhere between Paul's return to Tarsus uh, from Jerusalem in Acts 9 and his commissioning by the Holy Spirit in Acts 13. Little is known about that period of Paul's life, but God may have granted him this personal experience to steel him against the suffering he would experience on his missionary journeys, having been given a glimpse of the heaven that awaited him. He could could face even the most relentless and severe suffering that dogged every day of his life. And so again, that connection between the third heaven and, and, and suffering, martyrdom. But a second and more much more popular, widely accepted uh, and, um, but boring one, frankly, um, in, in evangelical circles is uh, this idea that the third heaven is essentially. Um, you know, there's a first level of, of heaven that's earth's atmosphere, um, the way that, that the Bible uses that term heavens or the, the heavens. Uh, first heaven is earth's atmosphere. Uh, is outer space is sort of the second heaven. Uh, and then heaven heaven, what we, we, what we think of when we today in 21st century commonly talk about heaven, we're talking about where God lives is the third heaven. And so uh, we might today describe it alternatively as uh, a spiritual place outside of our observable realm of time and space or others conceive of heaven as some sort of parallel universe. Uh, now, of course, we're getting into uh, astrophysics and quantum mechanics and things I'm in no way qualified to, to venture a guess in. But uh, I might add at that point, I think we all have to season any speculations we might have about this third heaven with plenty of humility and, 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 and qualifying um, Deuteronomy 29.29 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, and we are clearly in that category here of, of hidden, secret, unknowable uh, things this side of eternity. Uh, to a certain extent, we're, we're speculating. But let me just summarize the, the second and more popular view for you, and I'll, I'll quote it from a position paper I found on the topic from First Baptist Church, Covington, Louisiana, online. Says there's a common Hebrew idea of three heavens. The heavens in the Old Testament are fairly earth centered uh, much in the same way we look at the universe the first heaven is the the earth atmosphere uh, in this atmosphere birds fly and clouds form airplanes you know uh, this heaven is spoken of often in the old testament Deuteronomy 28:12 the lord will open the heavens the storehouse of his bounty and send rain first uh, kings 8:35 the heavens are shut up and there is no rain uh, with elijah uh, I, Isaiah 55:10 as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven Again, that that word heaven. The second heaven, uh, the Hebrews described, consisted of the universe as we know it. This heaven consisted of sun, moon, and stars in the heavens, Uh, We hear in Psalm 19, 4, and 6, In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. You can look at Genesis 15, 5, where where God commands Abraham, Look toward the heavens and count the stars. Um, Psalm 8, 3, When I consider your heavens, David says, the work of your fingers, uh, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him. That that whole passage famously. Uh, The third heaven, then, is the dwelling place of God. So, Passages like First Kings 8.30, when they pray toward this place here in your heaven, your dwelling place, hear and forgive, O Lord. Psalm 33, verses 13 and 14, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from his dwelling place. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. And so uh, according to First, Church, First Baptist Church Covington and many other traditional kind of uh, explanation of the third heaven, this was the experience Paul was describing. In the same way, uh, this is just another another third heaven passage where, where Jesus says in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Again, that's God's abode. God dwells in the highest heaven, uh, 1 Kings 8.27. Even the highest heavens cannot contain you. So, there you go. There's there's your two interpretations for all all of you out there who are asking about the third heaven. Um, it's it's either a specific level within heaven, or it's simply a way of specifying that you're talking about the heaven where God lives, not you know the the, the heavens of our physical universe. I think both can find support biblically. I, I think regardless you you. you you ought to think back to a sermon I preached recently where I kind of mapped out the various layers of importance of different doctrines or passages as we study Scripture. There's the, the core, you know the gospel and, and what we have explicitly written in our statement of faith as, as a church, you know, Jesus being fully God and fully man. There's the clear uh, things that we ought to to clearly, agree on as Christians, even if they're not as core as the gospel. There's the contested things that are disputed, um, infant baptism, things like that. And then there's the inconsequential uh, things that probably aren't worth wasting a lot of time uh, arguing over. To me, this, is, this one, Third Heaven, probably somewhere in between contested and uh, inconsequential. Um, but at the end of the day, Uh, this might just be one where we we have to trust God with the hidden secret things we don't fully have answers for uh, and and, uh, express some humility. So there you go.
0: Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Thanks.